Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD or iHeart or wherever you download us from. Thanks very much for doing so. We have a wonderful guest on today. The book she's written is already in paperback. Um, and you only get paperback after hard copy if it's really good. So this is a great book written by Cassandra Quave, Q-U-A-V-E, C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A, Quave, Q-U-A-V-E.com is her website. Um, and, of course, we are sponsored, as usual, by Life's First, uh, Life's First Naturals with an S, lifesfirstnaturals.com, the makers of both True Biotics and uh, Bovine Colostrum. You can find out more about the double-blind studies they've done to show how beneficial these are for vaginal health, for immune health, um, and uh, for, in the case of the Bovine Colostrum, for people who exercise a lot or who take um, if you will, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, our guest exercised a lot in um, the prologue to her book um, when she was in the Florida swamp. And I'm uh, always scared of Florida swamps because of uh, critters that come there. So um, I was riveted in reading it just to make sure that she was going to survive um, her adventures. She is the planet, the plant hunter, P-L-A-N-T, hunter, a scientist's quest for nature's next medicines. Um, she is the herbarium curator. I don't even know how to pronounce that well enough, but essentially it's a curator of herb growth area and an associate professor of dermatology and human health at Emory. She's the co-founder and CEO and chief science officer of Phytotech LLC, a drug discovery firm dedicated to developing solutions from botanicals for the treatment of recalcitrant antibiotic resistant infections. I love that phrase, recalcitrant antibiotic resistant infections. Um, and uh, she has written just a great, wonderful book, um, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about it. Um, but one of the things we probably don't all appreciate is how valuable plants are and how well they fight off infections. Um, and so the, uh, some of the substances, some of the things that are related to plants must be uh, awful good since the plants have survived an awful long time and survived the bacteria and other things, fungi and viruses in the air. Um, is there a plant equivalent, um, Cassandra, if I can call you that? It's a, can, do you want me to use the, is it okay if I use your first name? Yeah, absolutely. Cassandra, is there a plant equivalent of a tree or uh, flower getting a virus, a viral infection? Oh, sure. Plant pathogens abound. Um, they're a big problem in, in modern agriculture. That's why we have to spray them with different 
pesticides and, and treat them um, when you grow the same species in large and large amounts. So do they get uh, things like COVID-19 or what's the equivalent of them getting COVID-19 or the flu or measles or mumps? Is there an equivalent in those yeah. areas? As far as I know, plants aren't affected by COVID-19, but there are certainly many different viruses and um, fungi and bacteria that can infect um, different different plant species. And, you know, that's one of the amazing things about plants is that they have evolved over millennia uh, ways to defend themselves against those types of pathogens. Because, you know, plants are sessile. Unlike humans, you know, we can run away from problems <laughs> or go towards things that we need, but plants are stuck in place. And so they rely on this really incredible complex chemistry um, both to communicate with other organisms in their environment, um, but also defend themselves against um, different types of pathogens like those that, that we just mentioned. And as I understand some of what is in the book, um, and it's incredibly well written, so forgive me, is part of what you do is look for the basis, how, they, how the plants protect themselves, what they have, with the long-term goal of essentially being able to manufacture these in a, if you will, a bioreactor, something like makes beer. Um, that's how people understand bioreactors, even though we have them for some medications now. But what you're doing is essentially trying to isolate the active component that fights infections more than anything else and be able to manufacture those or produce those in a bioreactor. Is that what I understand? Yeah, the, the, the idea of using a bioreactor to scale up production of active compounds is certainly one of the approaches that we're interested in. But there are also chemical synthesis approaches you can take. The key where we really work in, in my research and what I dive into in the book is, is trying to build that bridge from traditional medicine of understanding how indigenous peoples across the globe use species found in their environments. So there are over 34,000 species of medicinal plants and used for traditional medicine today, by the way. So how do they use those plants for medicine? And then by taking those into the lab, what we really try and do is to decode those, to understand what are the chemical signals that are being produced by the plants that are responsible for the desired outcomes. What are the molecular blueprints that we can then study and, and think about ways to produce on a larger scale through things like bioreactors or through synthetic chemistry. Um, and many of our modern medicines, in fact, were discovered um, in this precise way. Some of our major medicines for um, infection, including for malaria, um, are from plants. If you think about quinine and, and artemisinin, um, therapies for cancer from, from a number of different species, including the yew tree. You have uh, medications for heart disease, you know, from plants like foxglove, medications for pain. You know, the list goes on and on. And so it's not a novel idea, so to speak, well, that even even even, as mm -hmm. even aspirin. Absolutely. Aspirin, morphine, all of those are, are originally were discovered in plants. Um now, but you actually want to specialize in, as I understand it, to um, talk about antimicrobial infections, that is, bacterial infections, and develop drugs against the resistant, or as you call it, the recalcitrant, um, if you will, um, 
drug-resistant organisms. So why don't you take a, a minute or two and talk to us about drug-resistant organisms, how they get that way, and then what you've learned about the ability of plants to fight them. Oh, that's a great question. So to put things into, into context, a few years ago, there was a big report that came out that showed that 700,000 deaths occur globally due to untreatable resistant infections. And that number was projected to reach 10 million by mid-century. And according to the most recent report we have for data in 2019, we are exactly on track. We're at over a million deaths per year now due to infections that are, can't be effectively treated with antibiotics. When we think about the history of medicine, you know, I like to think on the scale of millennia, <laughs> we've only had antibiotics for less than a century. And while antibiotics have been probably the game changer in medicine, as they began to lose their efficacy because bacteria as rapidly dividing single-celled organisms are able to reproduce at such a high rate that they can overcome these, uh, the effects of these antibiotics through development of, of resistance. And when those resistant organisms then spread from person to person, that's when we start to see problems. And so I think one of the major thrusts of my book is to raise awareness around this problem. Antibiotic resistance is a big challenge. This is something that we cannot ignore in medicine. It is something that will affect every area of medicine. And that we have new and interesting places to look for new types of therapies to combat these recalcitrant types of infections. So not only due to intrinsic antibiotic resistance, the, those pathways in which bacteria evolve ways to get around the antibiotics, but also intrinsic, um, uh, you've acquired an intrinsic resistance. And intrinsic resistance would be examples like biofilms, where bacteria can stick to surfaces in our body, including implanted medical devices, or um, even within our bones or our heart tissue and so on. And so there's a lot of exciting research that's happened, um, especially in the past uh, decade or so, that's really begun to show that we do have a wide variety of plant-derived molecules that really merit further study and possible consideration for development into the next generation of antimicrobial drugs. Um, when you look at the resistance um, to the, um, if you will, our common antimicrobials, one of the problems has been, and one of the problems in um, what you're studying is that um, the pharmaceutical firms would rather produce a drug or rather develop something I assume that you have um, if it were to be used every day for the rest of life, like a statin drug that's used to lower cholesterol from whatever age you started on for the rest of your life, or like an antihypertensive agent. But an antibiotic is hopefully only used for a short period of time. That is an additional problem. Is there enough funding in this area to, to help you and others and your students do the work that you're doing? Oh, you bring up such a great point. I mean, Yes, we have scientific challenges when it comes to finding new therapies to treat these infections, but I would say what's probably even larger in terms of challenge is the economic challenge. Um, just as you mentioned, you know, there's not the kind of return on investment that you will see with other classes of, of pharmaceutical drugs that can be taken by patients every day. We want these to be short-term. We want them to be used sparingly, and it takes 
you know, somewhere between 800 million to over a billion dollars to bring a new drug to market. And so there's kind of this financial disincentive to invest in this area. I'm a scientist, though, a purist, sometimes to my own detriment, where I really believe that, okay, we have these challenges, but the challenge of antibiotic resistance is not going away. Uh, We have to be prepared to meet this threat. And um, unfortunately, at this stage, there's not enough funding that goes into the discovery of novel scaffolds, into the early stages of drug discovery and drug development that we need to come up with new solutions. And that's another reason that I, you know, wanted to share this story is to raise awareness around that um, because people have power. You know, if you think about the ways that um, most science is funded in the United States, at least, it's through government tax dollars. There are, you know, incentives to talk to your, your Congress people and, and think about ways to bring more funding to this really important problem um, that's going to affect an, an increasingly larger portion of our, of our society um, as, as each year progresses. I don't want to give away any of the, the delight in the book, the chapters, the suspense, but you've written this in a great fashion, I should say. And uh, so I, I want to uh, tell people this is, you know, I've, I've had three great books lately. And so I want to tell people, I know I've given more compliments to books probably in the last um, two months than I have in the prior 20 years. But this is a really well-written and well-designed um, book. And to me, the, the interesting thing is, uh, there are a couple things. I could not write a book. I've written, as you may know, 22 or 23 of them without a great writing co-author. Um, but you did this yourself. Yeah, it was it was a different sort of enterprise because, as you can imagine, writing a book that's geared towards a general audience, it's really also not just a science book, by the way. It's, it's memoir, and that catches people by surprise sometimes when they see the cover. Um, but it's, it's a story of my life. It's a story of my personal journeys through infection, through disability, through becoming a scientist and really pursuing my passion. And, um, so it was, it was a very different style of writing. I've got to, I got to almost interrupt because I want to say it's also the story of a woman scientist and some of the difficulties as well as some of the difficulties that other disabilities, I don't think being a woman is a disability, but some, some of the, um, if you will, challenges um, that you faced because of um, your health and the field you're in. So it's wonderfully written. Thank you. Yeah, I mean there were parts of it. So, that I was so I should, about I should, I should, te- <laughs> <laughs> so I should tell people since um, that they should go to Cassandra Quave Q U A V E dot. This is not a. This is this is the worst part of of your book. Actually, is trying to get your website on CassandraQuave dot com to find out more about the plant hunter. Or just order the book at the Plant Hunter, and your lab must have a. Is it Quave Lab dot org? 
So the um, our research group, there's a link to it on my main on my main um, CassandraQuave.com website. But our uh, research group is at etnobotanica.us. So it's E T N O B O T A N I C A. No, no, no. Wait, we're we're gonna just say go to Cassandra Quave Q U A V E dot com, and you can find the other the the site to the lab and all the interesting work she is doing. But more than that, if you want a fun book to read and a interesting book to read um, about a scientist's quest for nature's next medicines and her own battles with it, and to get to where she is, please do pick up that book. Thanks, Caitlin, for great engineering. Thanks to Life's First Naturals for supporting us so that we can bring this to you, lifesfirstnaturals.com, um, makers of TrueBiotics and of bovine colostrum. Um, and thank you, especially the listener, for downloading us. Do rate us. Do write, And you can write to us anytime at info at Great Age Reboot or questions at Great Age Reboot if you want a special guest on or have a question that you want answered on the podcast. Thanks again, Cassandra. Thanks again. And thank you, Caitlin. But especially, we've got to thank our listeners. We'll be back next week. This has been episode 1111B of You, the Owner's Manual radio podcast.